morning on the West Coast and a great day to you wherever and whenever you may be listening. My name is Jason Dias, broadcasting and podcasting live from the studio of eloquentonline.net in beautiful, hot New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof. This is the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? And on the show today, we're talking about what if your brand has people working for it that are two things. They're high performers, outstanding employees with toxic personalities. Hmm. I saw this post on LinkedIn last week, and for once, it was something relevant to the professional marketplace, not something political, not something about cancer survivors. I think it's great that people survive cancer. I'm not sure it belongs on LinkedIn The Facebookization of LinkedIn continues unabated. So whenever I see a thought-provoking post now, it's unique. It's actually noteworthy. And so I saw this post from our guest today, Charlene Estrada, and it was very interesting. What do you do when one of your top performers puts other people off, erodes morale, brings other people down? Or do you just stick with a bunch of mediocre employees? I've pointed out many times, especially in the banking marketplace, that there sometimes is a just an absolute tolerance of mediocrity, and it's something that I don't put up with. There's nothing mediocre about what we do here 12 years into this program with over 700 episodes. I can't tell you how many mediocre podcast hosts have come and gone during my tenure here on America's most listened to, most popular, longest-running banking podcast. But when I say something like that, oh, Jason, you're so mean. You're so toxic. Well, perhaps. However, there's only one of me in the company of Eloquent Online, and that's not what I'm talking about. Your brand, your banking brand, your cannabis brand, your plumbing brand, your HVAC brand, top performer, but somebody that has a personality that takes some getting used to. We're going to ask our guest about that. We're also going to ask her a quick question about the cannabis marketplace because As you know, we've been doing a cannabis podcast once a month, an episode called Sunday on Monday, talking about cannabis banking. Now, we're winding that show down in August, and so during the course of that run, I've met a lot of people in the cannabis marketplace, and of course, there are a lot of young people in the cannabis marketplace, and a couple weeks ago, I got in a little LinkedIn debate about wages. These bud tenders were whining about not earning enough money. They wanted to raise the minimum wage, and I said, look, the minimum wage is all they have to pay you. You are getting paid what you're worth. If you think you're worth more, go start your own business or go somewhere else. Economic times being what they are, an employer's job is not to pay you what you want. An employer's job is to pay you what they can afford. And oh, by the way, to all of you bud tenders out there that may be listening, I think you should stop whining about what you're earning and instead turn all of your energy into advocating for the federal legalization of cannabis in the United States because it is the regulations and it is all the taxes and the compliance overhead imposed by the state that's hurting the cannabis marketplace right now. Let's solve that problem first and then 
everyone's wages will go up because that's what the marketplace does when it frees itself from the shackles of the unimaginative government. But of course, this young person on LinkedIn is a product of K-12 schooling and a liberal arts degree and has learned absolutely nothing about business. Can't say that about our guest today, though. Very, very interesting business and management consultant, Charlene Estrada. We're going to talk to her. We're going out to California, and we're going to do it all right after this. years and over 700 episodes of conference quality information without the rubber chicken dinner, the canceled flight, and without the expense report. This is the one and only Power Performance Podcast. Ah, yes, from their seminal album, The Joshua Tree, which is in California, and I've been there as a hardcore light infantry soldier in the United States Army. We're going out to California. Hey, Charlene, welcome to the show. Hi, Jason. I love the music. Got me pumped for the podcast. (laughs) Yes, yes. It is a show about music and performance. Before we get to your thought-provoking post, I want to talk about something else first briefly. You and I both have contacts and connections in the rapidly growing, at least it was rapidly growing, cannabis marketplace. But I sense that that market is going through some growing pains, and I wanted to ask you about that. What are your thoughts? Uh, Yeah, we're we're definitely seeing the cannabis industry going through some growing pains. I mean, the cannabis industry is a new and emerging industry, and as such, it's, it's ever-changing and unstable. There's always a, a level of uncertainty in a new industry, right? And so um, we're experiencing that right now. Um, and there's a number of things that are challenging in the industry right now. First of all, we have really over, overly burdensome regulations, high taxation, and no yep. access to federal banking. So all of those things um, only contribute to a thriving illicit market. And so when we think about a new industry and think about within the industry, we have competition within the industry, we have even bigger competition in the illicit market outside of the the legal industry, and that makes it tough. Well, another thing that makes things tough in business is when you have toxic employees. But wait, what if those same toxic employees are also some very, very high performers who are exceeding expectations in the job that they have been hired for. And that was a LinkedIn post that really got my attention. And so I asked Charlene, all right, a lot of companies will say something like, hey, we're one big happy family here. Well, there's a problem with that because families are not businesses and businesses are not families, unless I guess it's a family business. But tell us why saying your company, your brand is like a family could be a bad idea when it comes to toxic employees. Well, to be honest with you, most families have some level of dysfunction in them, right? And so in, in a family, we accept each other for who we are. Family members let each other let things slide, um, ignore transgressions. Sometimes we don't even want to have difficult conversations with family members because we don't want to disrupt the, the harmony in the family. And, and these things from a company perspective uh, could lead to lack of accountability, poor communication, low trust, 
low respect, low employee morale, and that ultimately impacts the bottom line of the overall company success. And so instead of thinking of a company like a family, I would encourage companies to think of themselves more as a community, where there's a social contract in which everyone's agreed to uphold a certain set of values and behaviors to drive towards uh, a certain purpose, goal, mission. And if someone doesn't subscribe to these norms and behaviors, maybe they're not a good fit for that company or that community, and they may choose to leave, or they may be asked to leave. You know, you never ask a family member to leave the family because you, you don't true. agree with their, <laughs> their actions. And so in, in creating a sense of community um, for a company instead of family, we get to hold each other accountable to uphold a set of values, norms, and behaviors that the company leadership has defined as essential to successfully sustain the business. I think that's such a great point. And I remember writing it down when we talked in the pre-call that community trumps family. When it comes to business, it's just the other way around when you're talking about your own family. Now, I want to be fair, however. I think sometimes the word toxic is overused. Uh, I've had people say that I'm toxic for saying that I have a, the best podcast in banking or that my keynote <laughs> events are better than yours when I can demonstrably prove it by the feedback of the attendees at the meetings. Toxic can be because you're telling someone they need to be on time more consistently. When you talk about social contracts, I've always said the social contract is be the person you were in the interview, and when you stop being that person, we stop being the people that hired you. I was at a mm -hmm. keynote event one time, and I took questions, and someone said, asked a question about how do you deal with difficult employees, and I said, that's easy. Show them the door, and someone comes up afterward. That's not very nice to say. Well, that's how I think about <laughs> these things. Mediocre employees, is it possible, Charlene, that some mediocre employees may think toxic behavior is simply those who work harder, are more outgoing, are more confident, are better risk takers. How do brands find the balance? Because you don't want to run off high performers just because somebody else is a mediocre, hypersensitive little baby. Yeah, you're right. And how we define Toxic. And yes, millennials, I'm talking about you. Yes. This this goes yeah. back to the patient trophies and all those things, right? Yeah, yeah. People interpret what is toxic um, can vary widely. You you just shared a couple of examples of what one person may consider toxic and what someone else may consider a good work ethic. Um, and so I really do put it on leadership to clearly define um, the behaviors and the operating norms that they expect from their employees. You know, simply having a company mission and values, it, it's not enough because values are often generic and left to interpretation. You know, we value integrity, passion, trustworthiness, teamwork. What does that mean? What does that look like from a right. behavior perspective? And, and so, I may um, define teamwork very different than you do. So by establishing behaviors and operating norms, it provides a clear and explicit action for the employees to align to and adopt. 
those are not left for interpretation. And yet, I would say that's still not enough. Leadership must visibly demonstrate these behaviors on a consistent basis and uphold them the same way they uphold performance and results. Next, Charlene told me that that post that I responded to on LinkedIn that was the impetus for this show was actually based upon a real-life circumstance that she dealt with with a former colleague. You know, I started to think about the post that I made, what was spawned by uh, an old colleague that I worked for. In fact, it was a, a consultant. And every time my company had a huge initiative or a huge project that they um, needed to get done, they would bring in this consultant. And no doubt about it, she delivered exceptional results, high-quality work, quick deliverables, um, but her behaviors were mm. uh, that of bullying, of, you know, condescending. And so it got to the point where no one wanted to work with her. And because she was a consultant, she, after the assignment was done, she would get a leave. But what she left in the wake of that was a trail of dead bodies, people distrusting each other, you know, talking behind their backs. It was just so unhealthy. Um, and so they continued to bring her on time and time again because of her results, and they failed to see the behaviors as yeah. something that was causing their employees long-term strife and conflict long after this person had left. Before I met Charlene, I had a conversation with a friend that is a musician for the Memphis Orchestra, and she told me that if you ever want to find a lot of toxic personalities that are high performers, come visit your average municipal orchestra, and I thought that was a great analogy or metaphor, and so I asked Charlene, if you could get everybody, all the HR directors, all the conductors of an orchestra, all of the people that do the hiring and manage personnel at all these various brands in the American marketplace together in one room, what would you say is the key to making sure that you find the right balance and address toxicity where it exists, but to make sure you don't end up with an orchestra or a brand full of mediocre employees? One, understanding the individual, um, what, what inspires them, what makes them tick. Two, understanding the skill sets they bring, but also how they align to the overall company work culture. Um, and, and then how do you bring them all together? If, if I'm talking about treating them as individuals, how do you bring them all together? How does that conductor bring that orchestra together? It's about aligning them to something greater than themselves, greater than their role, greater than their, their job creating a purpose, a vision, a mission that they can all subscribe to. And, of course, as we always do to wrap up the interview, I asked Charlene about some of her favorite bands and musical artists, and she provided a first. And you know, she said, yep, she still likes classic rock, but there's another genre that she discovered back when she was in school. Back in college, when I was taking my music appreciation class, I, I got very into classical music and I loved it. I remember the calming effect it had on me. And there was one time I was driving, I was leaving school, going to my uh, part-time job, and I got in a little fender bend. And I remember I was listening to classical music in the car at the time. And I was just so calm and collected about it. I told the gentleman, I don't worry, let's exchange information. And he was just so apologetic and I got to work and I explained that I apologize, I'm a few minutes late, I was in a you know, a little fender bender, and even my my uh, my boss at the time commented how calm, and I really attributed it to classical music, the calming effect it had on me, and so 
um, depending on my mood, I can go from classical to hard rock. The only genre I'm not a big fan of is country music. Well, we have that in common, right? And I live in Texas, so <laughs> it's hard to avoid it sometimes, but I do, I do my level best. Charlene, thank you so much again for the thought-provoking post on LinkedIn. I look forward to following you. If you want to follow Charlene Estrada on LinkedIn, I've got her LinkedIn profile link right there in the episode description. And I want to thank you so very kindly for joining us on the Power Performance Podcast. My pleasure, Jason. Thank you for having me. Uh, great job. Okay, yeah. And as I mentioned, I'm going to put Charlene Estrada's LinkedIn link right there in the episode description. I saw that post on Monday, and now it's Friday, and it's the last thought-provoking post I've seen on LinkedIn this week. Oh, doggone it, there I go again, being toxic. No, seriously, we have to have a conversation about this. First of all, what everything Charlene said I thought was spot on, but at some point, I think the meaning of being toxic changed somewhere in the last generation, and I could talk about it all day, but of course we try to keep the show under 20 minutes, so that will be a show for a future time. Thank you so much for listening to the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asked the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? Find the right balance between personalities and the mission of your brand, and you will do just that. Couldn't get out of here with classical music. It is Friday afternoon, and so I'll split the difference with Charlene. This goes way back. I actually had the 45. No millennials, come out of your safe spaces. I'm not talking about the handgun. I'm talking about the 45 record that we used to get back before computers, cell phones, and social media. And it was a pop rock version of Beethoven's Fifth. And so we'll get out of here with that. And until next we speak, my name is Jason Dyes, and we'll talk to you all next week. Take care. 